0: Welcome to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. This is your host, Amos Medford. Thanks for joining us today, and I appreciate the support of the Wannabe Hunting Podcast and everybody who tunes in. We appreciate you. And I am excited today. I know I say that probably every episode, probably more than once, but this was a fun one to record. Today I am joined by Josh and Jared Stubbs of the Elevate Stand Company. And you are absolutely going to enjoy hearing from these guys. They have some awesome uh, lock-on, hang-on mobile uh, stands that they're building in the United States of America. So that's pretty cool to have some guys with a Made in the USA company um, jumping in to the the stand game. So they've got some big stuff planned. You'll hear about it on the episode as far as um, upcoming products and all that good stuff. But... Uh, currently they have the element hang on stand available and you can check everything out uh, on their website and uh, we'll have that link in the description and you can check them out on instagram at elevate stand co so definitely going to be an awesome episode for you guys to enjoy and i hope you uh, enjoy hearing from uh, josh and jared as much as i enjoyed uh, chatting with them the other day so enjoy this one thanks for listening awesome guys well i'm I'm glad to have y'all on uh josh and jared if you don't mind if you would just uh, introduce yourselves and uh then we'll kind of kind of get into your uh background and uh you know what you've done for work over the years and how it got you to where you are with elevate stand company as well as how y'all started hunting and all that came about yeah so
1: my name is josh stubbs and my brother Jared is on the call as well um, forty six years old and uh, excited to talk to you about our company and also what we like about hunting and really how we got into hunting and how we you know helped start this company so so uh as Josh said,
2: uh, I'm Jared Stubbs, and uh like I said, we're brothers. I'm uh, 43, so he is much, much older than me. I'm the young one of the group. So uh, yeah. I guess just a little bit of history there. Um, family of, of five, we've got an older brother and then uh, two younger sisters. So uh, we're the only ones uh, out of that group that's, that's into hunting. Um, and we've done it our pretty much our whole lives.
0: That's Awesome. Can can you kind of give some of the early memories how y'all, you know, went hunting? Uh, You mentioned, uh, or Josh mentioned, calling turkeys for uh, dad and grandpa and all that. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, um, from a very early age, I mean, we were immersed in hunting, and um, we grew up with a grandfather uh, that loved to waterfowl hunt, and that's pretty much... All he did as far as hunting, I mean, he would pheasant hunt and quail hunt a little bit, and then eventually turkey hunted. You know, when can- when the population got big enough in Kansas, but it was mainly mainly waterfowl. Uh, we have a Quivira National Wildlife Refuge that's not too far uh, from where we live, and he used to hunt that as uh, before it was ever a refuge, mm-hmm. and just just phenomenal place. Um, all sorts of waterfowl come through there. cranes, whooping cranes. In fact, they'll shut the sea, the duck season down. If there's whooping cranes out there just to protect them. Um, so the waterfowling was a big deal. I mean, I remember my first hunt that I could physically remember, uh, it was my grandpa, my uncle and my dad and there were just mallards everywhere. I mean, they just kept coming and kept coming. And I, I couldn't shoot. I think I was probably four years old at the time. Um, but uh, that was one of my fondest childhood memories before I could actually start hunting. And then my, my uncle and my dad also grew up hearing stories of Alaska and Colorado. And my dad uh, and my uncle, moved up to Alaska for three years and they hunted dull sheep and moose and black bear and all of that. And so we would, uh, you know, see the, the picture slides of their hunting trips and, um, just loved hearing about Alaska. My uncle, who's originally from Kansas ended up, ended up staying in Alaska and he's there to this day. My mom, was born and raised in Alaska. Uh, my older brother was born in Alaska, so we've got a lot of ties to big game and hunting and fishing up in Alaska. Uh, but really, from a young age, that's really all I wanted to do was was hunt and be outside. I didn't didn't really watch TV, didn't watch cartoons or anything like that on Saturday morning. I was out either shooting sparrows with my BB gun, or you know, as I got older, I would just hunt by myself in my my lab so from a early age hunting's just been a part of my life um but i didn't get into deer hunting until i was 21 uh i started got out of college started working um for alcoa the the aluminum company and started meeting some guys and that were all hunters and they they were all quite a bit older than me um, but they started deer hunting or they they were deer hunters and that's kind of where I got my first introduction to deer hunting um, and uh, started out rifle hunting and then quickly got tired with that and started bow hunting and uh, other other than when I go to Alaska I really don't pick up my rifle here at home I haven't shot a, a buck with a rifle for I can't remember how many years, but, but that's just kind of an intro to, to my hunting experience. Um, it really is kind of a family deal. I mean, Jared and I hunt a lot together. Um, and that's, you know, one of the blessings our sons hunt. Um, so it really is a family and a a lifestyle for us and I'll, I'll let Jared kind of tell his story. So as far as the, uh, the hunting, um,
2: obviously my story is very similar to Josh's. Mm -hmm. Um, so grew up, you know, with hunting with my grandpa, I have really fond memories of, I mean, I couldn't even tell you what age it was, but it was before I could, before I could shoot a gun. I remember going duck hunting on the Arkansas river and, you know, I'd, I'd get bored in between the ducks coming in and I'd make forts out there. Um, and and those were just some really special memories, and I think the other part, like Josh alluded to, is the uh, the family, the family hunt. So I remember like Thanksgiving time or, or Christmas time, where the family would come in and we'd have uh, big pheasant and quail hunts, uh, and those were just some special memories. And and then similar to Josh, I, I got into the uh, the deer hunting at a at a later age, at least. In regards to the other types of hunting, um, one kind of funny memory is my first deer. Um, mm-hmm. We were hunting. We were hunting a spot on the Arkansas River, and I remember we had fe- we had seen a really nice buck and had been talking about that. And I had a, I saw a buck come out, and in my mind, I convinced myself that it was that nice deer. I uh, shot it. It was probably at about 300 yards, and that was my first experience with ground shrinkage. <laughs> I remember walking up to that deer and thinking, "Boy, that doesn't look like the deer that I uh, <laughs> that I thought it was." <laughs> uh, and so I I hunted for a while with the rifle, and then now, uh, at least in Kansas, it's it's strictly uh, archery only. Um, but. But yeah, that's just that's really been the special thing is is not only the family, but uh, Josh and I spend or share a lot of special memories together, um, like our first ducks and, and first deer and things like that, where we've where we've gotten to enjoy that together. Uh, so it's made for a for a special bond, and then now to to be able to. Have a tree stand company where we're able to work together with that as well.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I love the family aspect, and even though I didn't grow up hunting, um, you know, I have a a daughter that's two and a half and a son that's nine months, and I I can't wait to take them and and all that good stuff. So that's pretty cool to hear. And uh, you know, good good memories. You know, hunting with family. So that that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, uh, I know, Josh, you mentioned a little bit, um, you know, you started working with an aluminum company. Um, I can imagine that may tie in. But, you know, with uh, with your work work history, um, you know, kind of how does that go and how does it lead lead you all up to uh, where you are now?
1: Yeah. So um, I went to Sterling College and played some baseball there and uh, a company. Came into a, a town nearby um, and they were actively trying to recruit people, you know, to employ. And um, so I got to talk with some of the, you know, managers that worked there and I eventually got a job there at Alcoa. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of started from the ground up. I mean, I was driving fork trucks, I was operating cranes, side bay loaders and just work my way up through the ranks uh to where i was you know one of their building managers they had they had two buildings there uh, but i worked uh with like boeing and cessna bombardier learjet um throughout my career and then you know got introduced to all the types of aluminums and why each aluminum is used for each application and then um, had worked for Tiss and Krupp Aerospace uh, for another almost four years and then had the opportunity to uh, run a company called Wifco Steel Products and that's my main that's my main job mm-hmm. uh, that's that's my day job is is running Wifco Steel Products and um, we make walkways stairways big platforms big structures so you know we and we make thousands and thousands of parts, so we we know how to make things. And that's really my entire life. I've loved the production side of of business, just seeing things come together and seeing things made. And um, and Jared and I had really always had wanted to be um, involved in some kind of a hunting, or you know, the, in the hunting industry. Right. whether it was stands or really anything and it's like we'd come up with an idea and then like a year later you know it's like all oh, that idea is out on the market because obviously you know everyone's thinking of ways to improve improve hunting and make it easier or you know offering new product oh, yeah. um, but uh so that's you know kind of my background is is in aerospace and production uh you know which really then led to Elevate Stand Company. Um, and Jared has a fairly similar background, a little bit different road, uh, but uh, I'll let, you, let him tell that.
2: So, yeah, it's, it's fairly similar. I worked at uh, Alco Aerospace as well, started on the ground floor, kind of the same path, but then I uh, Josh moved into more of the production management side, and I moved into quality control, um, field service engineer side. And so I would, uh, I dealt with our quality specifications there on site, um, AS9100, which is a, the aerospace quality specification. Uh, and then I also worked with, um, like Boeing was our biggest customer. And so, uh, vendors and going to Boeing as well. Uh, even traveling to Japan to to one of their uh, one of their companies that did things for them, and so I was there for probably about eighteen years, and then the opportunity uh, to come over to Wifco and work on quality specifications for them um, that came up, in, I believe it was twenty sixteen. So I've been there been here since twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my background. Um, it was mainly aluminum and then, uh, lately it's been steel. Uh, but from, a more from a quality aspect, I, I did do a lot in the production side of things, but, uh, but now it's, it's mainly, uh, the quality side.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and I can kind of see, you know, with working with metal and the production and, uh, you know quality control and all that type stuff how it's kind of leading into you know elevate stand company um you know you're uh, josh you mentioned kind of coming up with ideas always wanting to be in the hunting industry and i know that's kind of something that obviously has crossed my mind and kind of led to the podcast right um, yeah in a a small way (laughs) part of the hunting industry (laughs) um you know there's there's quite a few stand companies out there so you know I wanted to ask you guys how you how you settled on uh on jumping in, you know, jumping into the game as far as uh you know, mobile tree stands go.
1: Yeah. So, um it really stems all the way back to uh when I first started getting into to deer hunting. Um one story that I'll tell, I specifically remember it was like a it was like a climber and Mm-hmm. This would have been, I, I think you're probably quite a bit younger than I am, but it was, I think it was called like the lounger or something. Hmm. It's where you would kind of lay down in this stand. I was like, man, that thing is awesome. Like you could sit all day if you had that. And so I kind of tinkered around with making one, cause I think it, they were like three or 400 bucks at the time. And I just didn't have the money to, to spend. And um, I had a, couple of buddies that also like to deer hunt so we just kind of tinkered around with you know making our own stands and kind of our own version of it Um, and so I've always kind of tinkered whether it's you know making your own uh, tower blind or you know climbers or whatever I've always just kind of been been interested in that side Um, but kind of the reason that that we got into this is that I kind of got more introduced to, <clears throat> to mobile hunting in the last five years. Mm-hmm. You know, we would always change up stands here and there, but it wasn't, you know, like we weren't hunting a different spot every single day. And I kind of got introduced to that in the last five years and tried a bunch of different stands. And I, I just didn't, you know, the ultralight stands, obviously there's a lot of quality companies. They make a lot of quality products out there. So I'm not knocking anybody, but it, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Um, just like when you go ultralight in anything, you, you have to give up something. Right. Um, and the, and usually it's rigidity, like how much a stand will or won't flex. And I wanted something to be lightweight, but I didn't wanna sacrifice on the quality and the rigidity. And that's just a personal preference. Um, And so we just kind of started uh, designing and trying different platforms and different uprights and posts. And um, it took us a while to get to the one that we wanted. Uh, but we, we thought that we could, um, make an impact, make an impact in the market. You know, if we could get our name out there and if people could actually, you know, get these stands in their hands. Um, and so that's kind of really what, what led to it. And the other part was COVID hit and you couldn't get a tree stand. Like if you everybody was sold out on the internet, you know, Cabela's Bass Pro, all those places, like none of them had stands, at least not stands that, you know, that I wanted. I think they had some climbers and I just, I don't use climbers anymore. Um, But that was the other thing was like, you know, if, if we could team up with uh, some people and we can get a good design Mm -hmm. and we can, Uh, you know, make these in the U S and if we can kind of control the process, then, then I think we'll be successful. And that's, that's really that ties into the, the made in the USA is that I'm just tired of seeing, and especially hunting companies uh, send all of their designs overseas to be made and then they bring it back and sell it here in the u s. It's like I want a company that maximizes the product that we sell made in the u s Now there's just some things that it almost makes it impossible to to get here in the u s but I would say ninety five percent of our stand is is made in the u s. Right. You yeah, know some of some of the nuts and bolts. Obviously, it's through a U.S. company, but you know ultimately they're still coming from China, um, and that's really what we've just been trying. What we have tried to avoid is we want to we want to make it in the U.S. We want it to be a U.S. Uh, company, and to, you know to keep jobs here at home. And my day job, um, that's another significant push. I mean, I've been on phone calls with. Um, Senators, uh, we've had tours with them uh, here, you know, at our plant. Guys from the House of Representatives, uh, really trying to push this because it's it's not just about wanting our company to be successful. We want, you know, the United States to be successful and to to bring more jobs and and good paying jobs back into the U.S. So I know I kind of went on a long rant there, but that kind of gives you the backstory of why we wanted to start Elevate and, you know, why we went the route that we went with uh, the design and then really um, making it, making all of our product in
0: the U.S. Yeah, for sure. And that, uh, I appreciate it. I think it was, it was spot on. And, you know, in the electrical business, you know, I know how it is to try to find uh conduit made in the U.S., Um, Right. You know, meet specs and stuff. And um, it's harder than you would think. Um, (laughs) You would, you know, with steel production and all that, it's like, um, you know, still when we go to our suppliers, most of what they have is imported for, you know, it's a it's a dollars and cents thing. But I appreciate the emphasis on made in the USA. And uh, I'm certainly not going to hold against you on the nuts and bolts. If if. uh, if Right. they're coming from a U.S. company that sources their stuff, but yep. I, I think that's awesome, and that's one of the things that stood out. Um, I saw you guys on Instagram. I don't even know how it got suggested, but um, clicked on the profile. A few things just caught my eye immediately, made in the USA, um, you know, some good clear images, you know, went to the website, and, you know, the next thing that caught my eye was it was a cool-looking stand. I mean, it just looks mm. up- so I'm sure... Um, y'all appreciate that, but
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah, no,
0: we obviously, obviously, you know, you want
1: to hop with cool things. And, uh, I personally, I'm obviously I'm very biased and Jared's very biased, but we really like the way it looks. We really didn't, I haven't been able to find anything on the market, you know, that, that looks like it. Obviously, you know, we wanted to stand out our, uh, I think we're going to be talking kind of the specs of the stand a little bit later, right?
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of get that, uh, you know, here in just a minute.
1: Yep. Yeah. But, but, but but I appreciate that in our, our uh, experience, you know, over the last 20, 25 years we've worked with a lot of different paint colors and application of paint. And we really wanted to find a paint uh, that blended in with most trees because, you know what you kind of see on the market there are a lot of real dark colors um you know even black and it's like man you can see that stand even if no one's in it that suckers you know still uh stands out like a sore thumb so we really wanted a color that would would blend in so i appreciate
0: the the feedback yeah i thought the color looked great and the you know kind of the design to it looked cool but and, you know, once I started reading, I was pretty amazed at the weight, and especially the weight with the size of the platform. Um, right. You know, it looks like a good size platform, and the weight is really good. I did um, some some Google research, and I only found a couple stands that even exist that actually list their weight. Um, you know, lighter. Um, right. You know, so I don't know. So, somebody may, may correct me, on that, but just from what I found, uh, looking at all the usual places, um, you know, the weight as well as the size of the platform, so, you know, a big uh, big plus. Yeah, and this is Jared, and
2: and that was one of the things as we were in the design of it. It was like, okay, well, we could, you know, maybe if we make this an inch shorter or two inches shorter on the platform. But then it got into, uh, you know, it's a fine line between lightweight and then having enough room. I know, you know, everybody's different. Some guys want the smallest platform, the lightest weight that they can go. Uh, I know for me, I like a a little bit bigger platform. I like to be able to, you know, step around on the stand or turn around without having to worry about – my foot coming off the stand or or slipping off. I like to be able to stand there with my feet on it. Um, and it just, it feels solid. It feels like you have enough space. Um, like I said, other people, they may want the smallest thing and lightest thing that they can find. But I think we tried to find a happy medium between, you know, as lightweight as possible, but still giving you plenty of space.
0: Yeah.
1: The, the other thing that I would add is is some of this came from our um, background uh, from hunting in the mountains and hunting in Alaska. Uh, we're big KUYU fans and they're ultra lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everything's listed in ounces or pounds. So, you know, how much because, you know, when you're flying the backcountry, you get like 55 pounds and that includes all your gear and what's going on your back and all your food for the week. So you've got to count ounces um but there are some downsides to some of their you know some of their stuff in in the mountaineering world ultralight stuff well it doesn't always hold up a long time and um so we wanted to find that balance of we want it to be lightweight but we want it you know to be able to hold a 300 pound person and which is our weight capacity mm mm-hmm and knowing that we have to test it at 600 pounds. So if your weight capacity is 300, you have to test it at 600 pounds. Well, obviously, it, um, you know, you've you've got to have some engineering behind it. And then you've the, the ribs uh, of the stand have to be, you know, strategically placed, and they have to be thick enough to withstand that. Um, so that's kind of where, I mean, we could have gone lighter, uh, but it just it felt like we would be
0: sacrificing quality if if we did that yeah yep yeah, I totally get that and um, you know with that said is there anything else uh, regarding um, you know specifications or uh, anything else that you want to go into uh, you know for the, uh, the- yeah. So, I mean, one, one other thing that I would
1: say is that we would, I would consider this a full size stand so the the rough or not rough measurements, the exact measurements are 29 inches by 18 and three quarters of an inch, the seats 12 by 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's, there's a lot of room on there, uh, to move around, whether you want to stand all day or whether you want to sit. Um, and one other thing that I would add is ours is a two-post system. So it's two pieces that are three-eighths of an inch. Um, and they're held together by a couple brackets. And that's where you wrap your your loop on your around for your cam buckle. And so that also makes it a lot more rigid versus just a single post. Um, there might be some more, you know, torquing or uh, flexing in a single post design. But, um, I think we found a good design with the two post system and it, there's not much space in between, but there's, you know, just enough that, that it adds a lot of rigidity, uh, to the stand itself.
0: Right. I mean, that makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, for the most part, I'll take y'all's word for it on the engineering and stuff, but, you know, you you can see how it makes sense that it would flex less with, with two posts. Um, right yeah that's cool and and my next question was kind of like uh research and development or you know kind of what's coming as far as products but i was just going to say before i asked that it totally makes sense to do a full size um you know stand first and then um i'm sure y- y'all know way more than me that uh the possibilities of other product lines are are pretty endless so um, right <laughs> but uh with that said, you know, what uh anything that y'all have that you're working on or wanna wanna go into as far as what may be coming up?
1: Yeah, so the the next thing that we'll be releasing are climbing sticks. Um nice. and I I can't talk too much because we don't have the designs finalized. But what I can say is that we're working with material not just in the aluminum family, that there's there's other materials that we are um trying to use that will you know make it lighter um we just we don't have uh all of the testing done and we're constantly going back to the the drawing board i mean it it took us a a year to um you know get the tree stand out so it's going to take a little bit for the climbing sticks Uh, but the climbing sticks would be next we're hoping sometime in the spring and then um we, we are designing a stand, basically be, you know, half the size or um, two thirds the size of, of our current stand. So it'd be a lot smaller stand. Uh, the guys that are packing in, you know, two miles or three miles on public land. And then uh, we're going to be working on a saddle platform. And those are all, obviously, we, you know, we couldn't bring, I would have loved to bring them all to the market online. I know there's been some comments. It's like, why'd you start with a full size stand? You know, why didn't you start with one of a smaller one? And it's like, well, you, you got to come out somewhere and not everyone wants to hunt with a small stand and not everyone wants to hunt with a big stand. So we just, we came out with one that, that we were happy with and we were proud of. Um, but we are, we're, we're working on a lot of that and And then, the last one, uh, probably for this year would be a camera arm. Um, and i I don't have a specific date on that as well, but but that's kind of the progression of of how we would release things. and right. uh, obviously we're gonna we're gonna fine tune the the current stand. You know, what you see today is probably not what you're going to see, you know, next year. There's always we're always going to tweak something a little here, something a little there. Um, And that comes from feedback. You know, Uh, obviously, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions (laughs) and what they like. And it's trying to take those opinions and those wants and needs and putting all of it into one stand. I mean, you can't please everybody um so you know we're just obviously talking to a lot of different hunters and what they like and what they don't and you know coming since we control the production process you know we can you know we're not sending our design off to China and then it takes them six to eight months to fill the order and then coming back and then by the time it comes back you know, we already want a design change, you know, we, we can do all of that, right. uh, on, on the fly. And that's, you know, the advantage that we have over some of the other companies out there.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: That's and amazing.
2: I really, I really do think that that's been an important part for us is that the design has been done in-house, the manufacturing is done in-house. So, as we were looking at different designs, we could make changes pretty quickly. And we also on the design side got feedback or got help on the design part from people that, that maybe never hunted Mm -hmm. um, or have just a vague background in it. But that was nice to bring some new ideas and and a fresh perspective to it. Um, But I think that's, that's been one thing that's been really uh, maybe sets our sets us apart from some of the other companies is that we, we do have all that control here.
0: Yeah, I can see that as a big advantage and uh, I think it's awesome. Um, We're going to kind of transition and talk a little bit about how your hunting season went and uh, some stuff like that. Is there anything else you all want to add specific to the stand or, um, you know, products?
1: Yeah, the only thing that I would say is that, uh, you know, I would just like to get, you know, some of these in your hands before comments, you know, start uh, getting on Facebook. Is like, just feel our stand. Feel how balanced it is. Feel how smooth it is. How easy it is to, to strap it to a tree. Uh, some of the comments that are coming out, it's like, I know these people have never actually touched or felt it. So um, yeah. we are going to be, and we'll maybe talk about this a little bit more, but we are going to be at the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania show uh, here, February 5th through the 13th. So if any of your fans are from the Pennsylvania area, uh, we we will be at that show where they can actually come and and sit in it and feel it and all that. So.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, there's a couple of guys that I talked to up in Pennsylvania. I may uh, send them a heads up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um,
1: well, I'll let Jared talk about his hunting season first.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Okay. So, uh, basically,
2: uh, mine is, is whitetail, um, mainly. Uh, I, really, I really don't do a whole lot of... Of whitetail hunting in in September um, I usually wait till kind of later October just the, the some of the spots that I hunt there's just not a lot of activity I know some guys they may have a piece of property where they uh, they can kind of figure out the deer's schedule and the, the spots that I have I really just don't have that so I, it's usually kind of mid to, to later October I I start getting a lot more serious about it. Um, I'm doing the food plot prep work, you know, before that, but when I really get serious on the hunting side is, is typically mid to late October, uh, and then on into November. Um, so we obviously had some target bucks that we were, we were looking for, uh, a deer that last year, um, after I shot my 2020 buck, a really large deer came out right after I had shot mine, came in at like 19 yards. Mm-hmm. So he made it through the season. And so that was kind of our main target buck. But uh, I really wasn't getting too many pictures of him and I wasn't seeing him. And then uh, I believe it was, I believe the date was November 18th. Uh, my youngest is 14. And I was having to pick him up from school that day And so I wasn't going to go hunting. I had gotten a trail camera picture of a new buck that I hadn't seen yet. uh, But I just wasn't going to be able to go. And Josh was like, well, what about uh, his wife, Brittany? He was like, what if Brittany could pick Reed up? My son is Reed. Mm -hmm. And so I asked Brittany. She's like, sure. So I ended up going out, getting out kind of a little bit later than what I'd like to. uh, And I saw some does. And they just kept kind of moseying around just all over the property. And then I had, uh, I heard a grunt Mm -hmm. and he actually came in on the backside of me. This buck did. So this is my first year of of trying to self film. And so I'm trying to get the, the camera turned around on the camera arm to get him. And, Like I said, it's my first year, so I'm still learning. But I'm I'm turning the camera around to get it on him. And all of a sudden, I see that doe. Her head popped up and just looked right at me. (laughs) So I'm thinking, okay, this is done. She's going to blow. They're all going to scatter. And I'm not even going to get a chance. She didn't act too concerned. Um, I stayed pretty still. Mm -hmm. And she made kind of a grunt noise, which I hadn't heard a, a doe make but she made a little bit of a noise, but that was it. Uh, he kind of checked her out, but didn't look like she was in heat. She still had two young ones with her. And, uh, -hmm. I knew that he was going to, or I thought that if he was going to come by me, he was going to take this one lane, jump a, a barbed wire fence and check out the back part of the property. And sure enough, he did, uh, then I had to move the camera arm back around to try and get, you know, keep him on film. And all the while she's, she's keeping an eye on me. She's not looking at me full time, but she's keeping an eye on me. And so he came, he was probably at one point he was at six yards, if not closer, uh, but there was a tree branch in the way. And so I knew once he, he crossed the the barbed wire fence, uh, then I would have a good shot, and I had the the camera focused there. So he uh, he jumped the fence, stopped, uh, took a couple more steps, and I I drew, and grunted, got him to stop, and double lunged him, and he went maybe maybe a hundred yards, and and dropped. Yeah. Um, special part is it it was originally uh, family ground. Um, when my grandpa died, uh, it went to the brothers and sisters, and I was able to. Josh was able to purchase 160 acres, and I was able to purchase 80 acres, and so it's been in our family for uh, well over 100 years. Wow! Uh, so that was that's been a special part of it too, to be able to to hunt and and to take animals on on what was family ground has been, has been pretty special. And then to take our kids on that ground as well is is pretty nice. So it was actually the, uh, last year was a Thursday. I believe it was the 17th or the 2020 when I killed. And then it was a Thursday and it was the 18th this year that I killed. So, wow. <laughs> so, uh, right in time with the other one. So then I'll, uh, so that was mine. Um, And then I'll let Josh tell his.
1: Nice. Yeah, so um, my season really started up in Alaska, and Jared went on this trip, but we went up fishing. I know that's not a part of the hunting season, but uh, we usually start out our late August or September by going up to Alaska. And it depends on if we draw tags, uh, if we – Are hunting or if we're, um, fishing, we didn't draw any tags, uh, last year. So we, we fished. Then I came home. I was home for like four or five days and turned around and I went out to Colorado, uh, to chase elk with a bow and came close a couple of times. My buddy killed one. Uh, but, but it did not happen for me, but got some awesome video and awesome pictures of, of, you know, 300 inch bull, bugling and so came home and i got home on a sunday late sunday night and i checked september october i usually don't have my cameras set up to to send to my cell usually have that turned off and so i went out to one of my spots and i uh i had 300 pictures of a bull elk in the middle of Kansas on my property and <laughs> but but he had not been he had not been on on camera for like the previous three days and so that night I went and got uh, an elk tag you can get them over the counter in uh, I think there's three units in Kansas and in like one and two you can get over the counter and so that's what I did Mm-hmm. all the while thinking there's no chance that i'll ever see this guy again i mean you know it was just a fluke deal <laughs> yeah people you know people report elk in kansas but it's just not very often there's a couple small herds here and there but it's few and far in between there is a like a herd of like 400 on fort riley it's an army base but it's a once in a lifetime draw mm-hmm. um i've I've never gotten the opportunity to hunt up there, but you know so there's usually three or four elk killed a year, I think in Kansas. I mean um, so three weeks go by and I've hunted probably nine or ten and had not had not seen him, had not gotten any more pictures. And the night of October fifth, I'm hunting looking out in a soybean field and I turn back around where the pond is and he's 31 yards away uh, from me drinking water from the pond. So I get my, I self film everything or at least try to. And so I get my camera centered on him and he walks into 21 yards and there's some like minerals and another a tub of water. Cause we hadn't, gotten a ton of rain, uh, last fall. So I just waited cause he was standing right at me, uh, like without a care in the world. And, um, I finally had some small bucks coming into the pond and I knew that at some point he was going to turn his shoulder and give me an opportunity. And so I was waiting for that and he finally turned his his head and neck, and I uh, sent an arrow flying. It went right through his heart. He went maybe sixty yards. Um, so that was obviously the highlight of my <laughs> my season. Uh, I didn't I didn't kill a deer. Uh, I chased one specific buck, and just could not get him killed. He spends spends most of his time uh in dark i mean i saw him a couple times and it was just just as the legal was you know it started and i had him in it like five or six yards but it was like five minutes after legal had ended so yeah. couldn't couldn't shoot him but almost had him uh but yeah so i mean had an awesome season it was a long season spent i don't know how many sits i had probably maybe 70 sits I would maybe guess maybe even more than that I hunted a lot um and uh so didn't get didn't get the buck that I wanted but still had an awesome time and then went down to Oklahoma and chased some whitetails down there and the um outfitter they were mainly set up for rifle hunters so I took a couple of my stands and uh you know, moved around and I, I had to come home early so I didn't get to hunt the the full time. Um but use my stand in, in those situations uh to you know kind of move around and I saw way more deer uh when I did that versus when I was you know sat in where the outfitter had, had placed theirs. Um and then we did I know this isn't relate to to deer uh but we did go on a duck hunt down in south texas nice. uh, to get some full plumaged uh, ducks down there that usually you know they come through kansas early um so we had a good 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 fun trip down there um and then obviously you know my hunting season we we were working on elevate you know a ton and getting brochures and getting the instagram page set up and pictures taken and there's, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work, um, you know, when you start a, start a hunting company, but, uh, I I will, I will mention that if you go on YouTube and type in elevate stand co, uh, you will see the, my, the video for the elk that I killed is, is on video. So, if you got fifteen or sixteen minutes that you wanna
0: kill, uh watch that video. I will definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah that sounds really cool, definitely awesome Sounds yeah. like uh, sounds like good seasons good seasons all around for y'all,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: that's very cool. Well, it was a good season for me too. I killed my first buck, so
1: yeah, that's awesome.
0: I'm still excited <laughs> now did did you kill that with a bow or did you rifle or? It was a muzzle loader. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. So um and uh it was um uh, October thirtieth and I grunted a few times, i uh, right it right at first light and uh he came running. So it was it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I bet. That that when you can call in a deer like that or an elk or really anything, I mean it just adds to it. I mean it makes it a lot more satisfying knowing that there was some action that you did that, you know, made that animal come in close enough to kill them.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Definitely cool. I appreciate it. Um, but as, as a newer hunter, um, you know, to guys like y'all who've hunted, uh, hunted for a long time, um, I always like to ask if you have any, any advice for a newer hunter, um, you know, anything, whether it's a mindset or a tactic or, uh, gear or just you know anything related to it that that you would say to a to a newer hunter uh this is jared i'll go first um
2: and i'll kind of cut well there's two things but the first one i'll kind of couple it with a story that happened to me this year um and that advice would be if it's during the rut and you're going out to one of your properties or a place that you hunt always take your, uh, your bow or your rifle with you. So this year, uh, I was hunting one piece, uh, this trail camera batteries on another property, uh, had gone dead. And Mm -hmm. I think Josh had texted me and he's like, Hey, can you go change the batteries on, on that trail camera? So I got done hunting and drove over to the other spot. And grab the batteries and I thought well I'm just going to be in and out you know I'm not going to take anything with me I'm just in a hurry so I walk over to the to the trail camera uh, it was a little bit of a walk uh, I'm changing all the batteries I had just I was in the uh, the process of locking back up the trail camera and I hear a grunt <laughs> and I look up and I see movement So I'm trying to, I didn't know which one it was. I'm trying to grab my cell phone out of my pocket. Thankfully I had that with me and Mm -hmm. the trail cameras on this fallen log basically. And I'm standing behind that. And here comes one of our bucks. It was a real wide 10 point. So I get my, the video rolling on my, on my cell phone and he notices me, but I'm holding, I was really still and he knew something was going on, but I got probably four minutes of video with him. Uh, he, he moved around a little bit, but not that much. And then finally, after about four minutes, he walked off and it just, it would have been a cool experience if I'd had my bow to shoot. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: just from that close, I mean... I think I could have thrown the arrow at him and hit him. Um, but uh, that's, it was funny. Cause I got done and Josh was like, why did you not take your bow with you during the rut? Uh, so <laughs> that was, that would be one piece of advice. Yeah. I like um, it. Yeah. And if you go on my Instagram page, I made a reel, a, a short reel out of it uh, and you can see how close he is. Uh, but just to be that close at eye level, um with a with a good sized buck was just I mean it was a it was a really cool experience uh, the other the other piece and, and I don't claim to know more than anybody. I know there's a lot of guys that know that know more than me and, and so I'll leave some of those other things to them but for me it's putting in the time. Uh, I don't remember where I heard it, but it's a saying that, we use every year and it's, you can't kill them from the couch. Mm -hmm. And so we'll, we spend a lot of time in the stand um, as many times as we can. And it it becomes, it becomes kind of a grind at times. You're, you're uh, low on sleep. You know, it may be really cold and you're getting tired. Um, Hard part, you know, spending time away from, from your family. But, That's that is one. My one piece of advice uh, would be to to spend the time in the stand. Um, It just increases your opportunities so much more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll let Josh take over from there. Yeah. My advice, especially for, you know, like the younger generation or somebody that's just getting into it is to not focus so much on your gear. Everybody wants, you know, that Sitka duck coat. They want the, you know, Kuyu backpack or Kuyu clothes or coat or whatever, um, is don't focus so much on your gear that you don't have, I mean, how many, uh, ducks or doves or pheasants have been killed with a Remington 870. And back in the day, you could get one for like 180 bucks. Um, you don't have to have the latest carbon bow to shoot deer. There's lots of $300 bows that will kill a deer. I mean, the, the first bow that I bought, it doesn't kill deer any better than than the carbon one that I use. Now, I, I like the carbon one, but right. you, know, you can kill uh, animals with whatever. So that would be my my first bit of advice: is don't get so caught up in oh I've got to have this or I've got to have that, that it comes down to spending time in the field, whether it's scouting, whether it's putting in a food plot, or whether it's hiking you know two miles on that public piece of property looking for sign. There's nothing that can you can substitute for time in the field. Just absolutely nothing. Um, and also, you know, if you're on a limited schedule, be very uh, particular about the days that you hunt. You know, if it's super windy, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the day to go. Um, but with that said, spend as much time as in the field as you can. If you're married, uh, don't neglect your wife. Don't neglect your children. But my point is, it, it just having the best gear will not make you a better hunter. Uh, It might help, but it's not going to make you a better hunter. That time in the field, time spent talking to, you know, older successful hunters, that's, that's what's, uh, that's what's going to make you successful in the field. So, and then not getting too caught up in, I've got to kill 160 inch deer every year um, that can take away the fun out of it. I, I focus, I try personally, I try to fo- focus on older deer. I would rather shoot an eight and a half, nine and a half year old deer, mm-hmm. um, than you know, kill 160 inch, you know, that's four years old. Um, let, let those, let those ones grow, uh, you know, focus on old ones and you'll, your structure of your deer herd will be, you know, a lot better off for it. And then the last piece of advice is just have fun. I mean, I, you know, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves and a lot of it is that the Instagram culture, um, that, you know, we're, we're checking out what everyone else is doing. I would just say, man, stay away from that hunting is fun. Like it's a way we can enjoy God's creation and have fun with friends and family and it's not always about taking the perfect picture or um, anything like that, that it's truly enjoying creation that, you know, God made for us. Uh, so th- th- those would be my three pieces of, adv- of advice. And also, I guess one last thing I would add is practice, 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 uh, whether it's your bow, your rifle, your shotgun, whatever. Um If you're not ready to take that shot, if you haven't thought through your head how you would draw on a deer uh, in that situation, it's going to be a lot harder. So just practice, practice, practice. So, yeah.
2: And I'd like to to go back to kind of what Josh said, you know, as far as the gear, I don't want people to misunderstand and think, you know, oh, well, you guys are selling a, a deer stand that's $459, but then you're telling me don't worry about gear. Yeah. And I, I, I just kind of want to emphasize that that's, that's more advice for the new hunter that's getting into it. We started with, I mean, the equipment that we used when we started was not top of the line. It was hand-me-down stuff. It was stuff that didn't fit. And, and yeah, you might go to the Instagram page and we might be wearing Kuyu or we might be wearing a Sitka jacket. But that's because we've spent a lot of time and 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 made it to a point where maybe we bought some better gear but for the most part you know most of the deer a a good majority of the deer that we shot were out of you know maybe a homemade stand or a homemade blind um putting it together with you know wood and plywood and, and stuff like that and so that's just it's nice to have good gear it really is i mean i I tell my youngest that now it's like, man, you're really, uh, you're really blessed on what you get to use compared to what we had when we were kids. Um, the, the technology of what's out there now is just, it's amazing. Um, I remember duck hunting and I'd get back to the house and I'd want to get in the shower just to get some warmth into my feet because my feet were frozen. I couldn't feel them. Um, (laughs) So, so we really live in, are living in a good time where, I mean, there's so many options out there for people, but, but we can get caught up in, in having the nicest and it. And it doesn't always take that. And that's, I think that's where some of the new hunters get kind of stuck is, is, well, I can't afford this or I can't afford that. And it's just, it's take your time, yeah. you know, buy what you can and, and and hunt with what you can and, you know, try and buy the best that you can. But, but you don't have to have everything just starting out.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate all that advice. I definitely appreciate that way of looking at things and, uh, you know, work with what you've got and you can build up from there.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yep. Very cool. Um, well I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on today and I've enjoyed it. I really have. And, uh, you know, I've always, I'm always up to, uh, um, support, um, you know, if you want to say that or put out, uh, you know, good, uh, Christian owned made in the USA companies, you know, of any kind and, uh, you know, making some cool looking stands that, uh, um, that everybody should definitely check out if you're in the market. So, um, as we close out, I just want to see if there's, uh, uh anything y'all want to add. And then if you let us know, just where to find out about, uh, elevate stand company, online, social media, wherever you want to direct folks?
2: Okay, so uh, our website is elevatestand.co, and that's where you can uh, purchase stuff. There is some media on there. I think Josh's Elk Hunt is on there, uh, and that's where you can go to get that. Uh, we are also on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook as well as Instagram, and that's elevatestand.co. Uh, So you can find us at uh, either of those three places. We are going to be at the, I believe it's the GAOS, Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So that's February 5th through the 13th. It's a long uh, nine day show, Uh, but we will be there. And then we're, we're also looking at uh, some other shows like the Iowa Big Buck Classic. And, and I think there's one in Illinois, so. Uh, you know, if, if people are around that area, they could actually come in and see it in person and talk
1: to us.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, we, we it's an 18
1: and a half hour drive out to Harrisburg, <laughs> Pennsylvania from where we're at. So. <clears> be a little up. bit of time in
0: the truck. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a fun one. Very cool. Awesome, guys. Well, is there anything else you all want to add? No, I just thank you for reaching out to us. It's been fun. Uh you've got
1: you've got a radio voice, so you should do well on your podcast. And we'll we'll definitely give you a shout out on our on our Instagram page. Awesome.
0: I appreciate that. Man, that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Josh and Jared at Elevate Stanco today. I I really liked uh liked their mindset and appreciate what they're doing at Elevate, uh, making some awesome uh, hunting stands right here in the usa so definitely support them check out their stands um here in a few weeks they'll be at the uh, great american outdoor show something like that up in uh, harrisburg pennsylvania so um, if you're in that area uh, you know what's up with that so check them out at the show get your hands on their stands. see how it feels and um, it's going to be cool to see to see where the company goes but i appreciate everybody tuning in Um, If you haven't been following along on Instagram, I've got the opportunity uh, to uh, get some hats done. Just got an updated logo done that looks absolutely awesome. And um, a friend of mine did it. So if you need logo work, uh, shoot me a message on Instagram. I can get you his info. And... uh, Beyond that, appreciate all the support. Uh, Check out the links in my link tree on Instagram for other ways to support and other awesome companies that we like. And I certainly appreciate you tuning in today and listening. Y'all have a good one. As always, honor God, work hard, and keep hunting.